Sports Radio. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. The Tim Graham Show. This is Sports Radio 1270. The fan. I know I'm gonna get pimped. They gonna pimp me. I love sausage. Shocking, dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber, the Tim Graham Show. I did old uh, some poll uh, over the weekend. Right. Not misohonia. The Tim Graham Show. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270. The Fan. I am Tim Graham of the Athletic here with my crooked co-host. As always, Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, Jonah Bronstein's here, and of course, Bobby Rosati, handling the board. Um, quick rundown of everybody who's here, because nobody really cares about that. We have a guest here in studio, and we're going to talk about a wide array of topics, including one big one that I'm looking forward to getting into, um, that is uh, more important than sports. And uh, we were just talking before the air, you know, sometimes sports, the, the older you get, the less they mean. I mean, right. and which will it's paid our mortgages or, or our rents. You know, it's not we don't want to we don't want to be too uh, cavalier about it. But, um, yeah, sometimes the issues are more important than the games. And uh, this is a, a universal issue. But here in studio. A guy, see, this is where you say a guy who needs no introduction, then what do I do? I don't mention him. <laughs> a guy who needs no interruction. All right, here he is. Thurman Thomas. Yeah. You don't have to give any qualifiers, right? I don't have to mention the gold jacket. I don't. Hey, this has been the year of Thurman, hasn't it? Oh, God. Oh, right. 2018. You, you're actually the first person outside of my family that has said that. Yeah. They've been saying it for you're months. You're all oh, over the, the year, place. The year of Thurman is almost up. And I think the film, the, the NFL football life, that was it. And they were like, there's no more for you. We False. Don't have, we don't have to go through any of this False. anymore. False. <laughs> I said. I told them they're wrong too. Let's do a quick rundown, and this is really just the 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 autumn slash winter of Thurman. Really, you you go back. It's uh, number thirty four is retired mm-hmm. by the Buffalo Bills. We knew that was coming all year. There's a build up to that. A football life on the NFL Network, which just aired last Friday. Yeah. Um, the Thurman Thomas Foundation announced recently that it's giving three. Uh, scholarships a year to African-American students who need it uh, to attend uh, Erie Community College. Thurman Thomas is sitting down in front of the Erie County Legislature's Public Safety Committee to talk about bond reform. Like People are like, what is, what's going on here? But what what am I missing? That's just in the last like three months. Yeah, that's been like in the last three months. Uh, Obviously, um, you know, it's a thing that is really uh, taking um, taking hold of the last couple of months, not only just with me, but also uh, with a lot of other people. I think if you look at guys like Mel- Malcolm Jenkins, uh, Ed Reed, they're talking about this same stuff in different cities. And I think just because you know, you know, they're on they're on a bigger platform than I am, and you know, I'm here in Buffalo, and I just came out with what they've been talking about for months and, and probably years about a lot of different. Uh, things that laws that are going on and so I just happened to like you know what I called a friend of mine I said who do I need to get into touch with in order for me to be outspoken about this because you know this I'm not the first one that's doing it but I'm the first one that's doing it here in Buffalo that's a former athlete 
And uh, I got a hold to the right person and uh, majority leader, uh, April Baskins. Uh, we talked about it, and um, that's when a couple of weeks ago I gave my uh, speech in front of legislation. And I, and I will continue to do that and continue to push this uh, uh, bail bond reform uh, for the African-American uh, community. Now, a lot of people may wonder, what is this? Uh, especially people who haven't had their lives touched by anybody who's been arrested. Uh, been incarcerated for any period of time, even if you're not convicted, yes. you can find yourself arrested. Maybe even it's a case of mistaken identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see, uh, and hey, police aren't bad people, but things and mistakes happen. Yeah. Uh, we see it on the news all the time about somebody going to jail for something that's trumped up, and it's not whether you're white, you're black, you're male, you're female. But what happens is people who have a little bit of money laying around can essentially buy their freedom with bail uh, or with a bond and you pay 10 percent to a guy yep. <laughs> uh, who uh, basically guarantees that you're not going to skip town that you're going to appear in court on your date mm-hmm. and if you don't then this guy this bail bondsman's on the hook for it oh, you no. pay him 10 yep. percent well if you don't have the 10 percent you sit there and rot yeah. uh, you sit there you may lose your job yeah uh, you may lose your home because you're sitting in there for weeks months maybe even longer while you're waiting for your trial um, your bills go to collections you have family hardship some guys just plead guilty just, just to go home just because go they home. have to yep. and, and so that's what the issue is here and it's really it's uh, people it's punishing the poor it, it really is punishing the poor and, and it's been punishing the poor for a number of years it's not just something that we just Heard about last week. Now, this or has last been the year. system for it's generations. It's been the system for generations. Yeah. And you think about the African American community; they have, we have been poor for a long, long, long time. I tell people all the time. You know, they might say, "Well, you don't really know what you're talking about." I say, "Well," and one of the first things I'll say is, "Have you? When was the last time you driven down there in what we call the hood, the ghetto, and see how people are living? If you haven't done that." Don't come to me with all that crazy talk or whatever. You have to be involved with that environment. And I tell you, it's uh, like all the reasons that you just said. It is creating havoc in the African-American community for the poor people. And they get behind on their bills. They get behind on their rent or whatever it may be. And their life is turned. And they're they're staying in jail for weeks and months and maybe even years and haven't even been convicted of anything. Yeah. And, and that's just, for me, that's just wrong. Hundreds of thousands of people a year are in jail right now, even though they haven't been convicted of a crime, because they're waiting their turn waiting in their the time. system, and they're waiting their turn because they can't afford to pay the 10%. And so the bond reform is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is for nonviolent, non-violent misdemeanor yes. offenses. This isn't yes. just, hey, let's let people out just because, right, you know, right. a guy stabbed somebody. Right. He's been no, accused of not. stabbing somebody. You know, let's not. <laughs> yes, it is. Let's not just say that we're going <laughs> to open up the open up the gates, just, you know. And you got a certain time to run out. Yeah. Right. No, no, nope. Not a, you're, you're exactly right. That'd be a fun right. movie. Yeah, you're exactly right about Just open that. up the gates, yeah, and you have yeah, like, right. Right. everybody got five minutes. If you can get out. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it's been for, like, petty misdemeanor crimes. And, and, and I think that's the thing where, you know, you can always sit up and say, well, don't steal or, or don't commit a crime. But you're in that fishbowl, man. You, It's hard to get out. And that's the 
you might have to commit a crime still or whatever just to feed your family or something. Just just something simple as that. It's easy for those people to say that are not living that life, that don't have that opportunity. When you walk into a tops, I mean, it's they got metal detectors in tops, you know, but it's in that fishbowl where you can't get out. You can't yeah. go and get a job. How dare you have a f- have friends who commit crimes right. and be in the wrong place at the wrong time? Yep. So, um, so yeah, you may be, and this, and that's a distinction too. You, mm-hmm. may, we're talking about. Yes, there are people who are uh, incarcerated right now uh, who uh, are mistaken identity or something's been trumped up or you know something that got out of hand or you know uh, something a misunderstanding that uh, that spiraled. There are people in there who have committed crimes, too, but not to the extent that they need to spend seven months in jail before they even get to see a judge. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think the bond part of it is half of it, but it's also the convictions for the drug offenses. I don't know if you guys know of uh, Alice Johnson, the woman from Memphis, an African-American woman Mm -hmm. who was behind bars for 21 years. She had a life sentence for being part of a cocaine ring but really she was just part of the financing operation of it she wasn't actually dealing the drugs herself and i think it was kim kardashian who got involved and got a meeting with jared kushner and donald trump and over the summer donald trump granted clemency to her so she was uh released from prison but it seems like the african-american community is probably targeted more um for the drug offenses and it ends up being 20 30 40 years behind bars where Probably shouldn't be that long, and I don't know, Thurman, if you share the same opinion, but for some of those offenses, it, it does seem like it's unfairly targeting the African-American population for too long. Yeah, and, and mostly, and, and like you said, uh, a lot of them are those drug offenses, and now what? What does get New York and a lot of states getting ready to do? <laughs> Legalize marijuana. <laughs> and then, but you have these African-American kids that are already in jail for, right. for so long and now they're looking at like, well, they're changing a lot, but I'm still in there. My life has been turned upside down, and now everything is going to get legalized. So, but what about me now? Do I have to stay in here? Right. I mean, because you only caught me with a joint, right? You're you're saying that hypothetically, Kevin. right? Hypoth- yes, yeah. Let's I not have. have let's not have. No, you know, our our producer Bobby here. That would be played on the show for the, yeah. <laughs> for the next. Yeah, I got you forever. Yeah, really, forever. as long as we're on the air mm-hmm. until I get thrown in jail. For something, yeah. So, for a pro- for a crime I did commit, I'll just right. go ahead and say I'm guilty. <laughs> if I ever get arrested, I was guilty of it. Yeah. Uh, but and we should mention, and they're calling it the Christmas miracle. There was a bipartisan bill that yes. was passed last night by the Senate. It's expected to be signed by President Trump by the end of the week uh, of criminal law reform bill. Now, this isn't what we're talking about. This is doesn't necessarily involve. I mean, maybe it's the first steps, and it gets there to to bond reform. But um, in fact, they're calling it the First Step Act. Um, but it's things like uh, differentiating between powder cocaine and crack. It's things that get into the the nuance of wow. just because yeah. you had some, you have one drug doesn't equate yeah. the other it's drug. It's not so broad, right? right. And so, uh, yeah, that's it's going to uh, talk about mandatory minimums are going to mm-hmm. be changed and things like that. But you know, the bond industry and a lot of people don't realize it because you see those neon signs or you go into a certain part of town where the bell bondsmen have their offices, usually right. near the court, yeah. right? For obvious reasons. <laughs> yes. Uh, and they look seedy. You know, it's look like, and uh, there's a guy who used to live in Las Vegas too. I mean, these things are all over the place, like the pawn shops. And you see it and you think, all right, well, that's where bad people 
belong. You know, that's what the, those are the people you have to deal with. But they're backed by the major insurance companies because if that bail bondsman puts up uh, his word that you're going, all right, you pay a thousand dollars. Uh, or ten thousand dollars on a hundred thousand dollar bail, so that's your ten percent that you had to come up with ten grand. You get out now. That bondsman's on the hook for the other ninety grand. So if you don't show up, then the bondsman has to come up with the money. Well, that bondsman has insurance to make sure he doesn't hit a bad month, uh, like a, whether you're a casino or a doctor <laughs> with malpractice or whatever. That bondsman's got insurance, and who's backing him? The major, the skyscrapers. You know, the big. You know, the the people that have. The, you know, the penthouse or the, the big uh, office buildings in, in Hartford uh, that have all the big in Chicago and New York City. And that's the bond and the bond business. Now, Cory Booker uh, made a, a statement earlier this year and people were wondering exactly where he got the figure. But right. he called it a two billion dollar a year industry. Wow. So a two billion dollar industry is being funded mostly by lower income people. Yeah, that's right. Because it's not the insurance companies paying him two billion dollars that are backing. No. It's yeah, the people that, that come yeah. out of pocket yeah, that's right. that don't have the money for the full bail but can pay these individuals to, to front it for them. So how did, to be learned. how did you get into it, though? How did you, where did you become passionate about this, Thurman? Um, like I said, I've just been kind of been following the other guys in the National Football League. I mean, if you really look at a lot of the stuff that they've been talking about over the past couple of years, this has been a part of it. And I think they have gone, like, down the list of things that, you know, more important to least important, but this thing was, I think this was right up there uh, almost at the top of the list. I mean, it's going to take some time for uh, for every, for every this to uh, go in every single state, but I think, you know, just to get it started has been a positive for, uh, for uh, a lot of the NFL players right now who are doing this. And uh, But I, I really became really involved with it. Um, just about five or six minutes, five or six months ago, hmm. really. And like I said, I, I, you know, I'm I'm actually still doing my homework to find out more stats about it. I mean, because I wanna I wanna be able to you know talk you know more understand have people understand what I'm really talking about. And so I still have my homework to do. But uh, you know what? It, it, it's I I see it in my community when I go home back to Houston. It's the same thing, and these people cannot get out of this fishbowl. They're still the same people. I mean, their their kids have their house now because they can't afford to go anywhere and get another job. You know, everybody's and everybody's on some type of government plan. There's EBT card or welfare government or what have you. A lot of these people are still on and have been on it for decades. It just runs throughout the entire family. And so, uh, you know, I'm just trying to do my part and make a push to try to, you know, help this system that we have here in Buffalo. I can't say for my hometown or back in California, you know, this I live here. I live here. And if you don't talk about it, um, it'll get swept over under the rug. But I think this right here has really taken initiative. It's something that I want to be a part of. And that's why I told my wife, I said, you know what, I'm doing it. I'm going for it. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help than sitting back and being negative about everything. You know, I've always, in the last couple of years, I've always tried to be positive about everything, even the bills, even the savers. You know, I just try to be positive about everything. And, and this, some things right are harder here, than others. Yep, some things are harder than others. You're exactly right. But this right here, I have to stay positive every single day, and I have to have my notes and everything about it because I, I, I really want to be a part of this 
when this uh, becomes a new law for all the African-American people, but for anybody that's in this situation. Thurmo, when you talk, uh, when a lot of the guys, as you mentioned, uh, you get inspired by guys like Eric Reed, and I don't know, and it's controversial to mention Colin Kaepernick's name without ha- having a whole nother discussion. Right. So I don't, I don't want to say that he inspired you because uh, uh, that puts you in a certain category. <laughs> right. Like It's like, oh, it's a hot-button yeah. issue. Yeah, I, yeah, the, phone I'll was, say... the phone was not buzzing. <laughs> 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 you know, Colin, I'll say that Colin Kaepernick has inspired me. He's turned into one of my favorite sports personalities for what he's been able to do and what mm-hmm. he's been able to accomplish right. um, with his platform and how he chose to use it. Whether you agree with it or disagree, I think that he's made a, a huge impact. Yes, he has. Uh, how do you sort through these things? What are the lines that you're willing to go to? Because whether it's kneeling for the national anthem, raising a fist, being outspoken, there's so many different ways to be outspoken. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess in this whole world of uh, of people who are coming, out, who are speaking out about oppression, about uh, minorities who are being um, you know, under the boot, mm-hmm. um, used to be the man. You know, everybody's just talking about the man. Well, right. you know, the man is uh, it hasn't changed too much over the last fifty years. Nope. But what? Um, I guess how do you sort all these different ways that athletes have been have been doing it? Um, you know what? Uh, you know, number one, obviously, we have a bigger platform now than we had twenty twenty five years ago, and I think that's kind of made this uh, transition. I guess you say would from players and like myself or any other player that would like to speak out about so something. You know, you have social media now. I mean, that's. That's kind of the key to everything right now is being on social media. and But also, you know, I, I think having um, the right people behind you, uh, sometimes you may have a person out front that probably shouldn't be out front. Uh, and so I just think, you know, with, with all of that, you just have to have a good enough support system um, when you're talking about things like this. And, and, and luckily I've had had a pretty good support system up to – to this point, and I expect that support system to get stronger as I learn more, as I do more, as I get more back out in the community. Uh, so um, it's been great for me to be back out in it, you know, and to be honest with you, like you said, it's been kind of the year of thermos, and why not throw this out there and uh, and go with it? Now? But I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm, I'm really, Tim, you know, just happy to kind of, like, help people. Yeah. Period, well, correct man. me if I'm yeah, wrong, Thurman. Yeah. I moved here in 2000. In fact— my first day at the Buffalo News was the day you got cut. Wow. It was Monday, right? Was yeah, it a Monday? Yeah, it was a Monday. That Monday, it was two days after home run throwback. Yeah. So I came to Buffalo at a. Everybody was happy. <laughs> yeah, everybody and was six, happy. And six months removed or seven months removed from Brett Hull's foot in the crease, too. <laughs> right. So all oh, Buffalo everybody fans were happy. Yeah. Oh, Andre's gone. Bruce is gone. Thurman's <laughs> gone. We're like, what the? And I'm like, hey, welcome to Buffalo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the UB's, bas- your first story yeah. Gonna go? <laughs> UB's basketball team was under about NCAA this investigation. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, oh hell, I don't even remember what I was. Gonna- oh, I, so that was my perspective as to when I moved right. here in 2000. And I was just going to ask you, I don't really remember you in retirement, other than doing some commercials here or there. You know, like a lot of guys do, like right. Tasker's done and Jim right. and everything. You really being out there. 
until relatively recently, like within the last maybe three years or so? I mean, you're you're getting out there beyond just business stuff. Right. Would you agree with that, or is oh, that, am I missing out on it? No, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct. I want to make sure uh, I wasn't asleep at no, the switch. No, I, I wasn't. I, when, when I first moved back here in 2007, I was just kind of just doing my thing. You know, I was actually still, I was working for the Bills in uh, when I first got back, and so I really wasn't doing too much of anything, just kind of, Watching, I was kind of watching my kids grow up a little bit and just kind of stayed back. But, Good for you. Yeah, but now that my kids have been like, you know, and this started probably about three years ago that I started putting myself out there a little bit more. Um, but my kids got older. They got older, and I was like, you know what? I can't be sitting around yeah. <laughs> at home all day seeing what they're doing and worried about what they're doing because they're getting older. And uh, so I've, um, yeah, I, I've been out there. Uh, uh, my wife and I, we own a telecommunication and construction company. Uh, I also own an energy company uh, that I've been doing for about 11 years. Uh, so, yeah, I've thrown myself not only out there in the business world, but also uh, the community, which I think is very important uh, because you see a lot of these guys. And really, you know, you see a lot of guys from the Bills doing it also. I, I had a great conversation with uh, Lorenzo Alexander a couple of days ago. But you talk about a guy who hasn't been there that long, but is in the community every single, what, Tuesday? He's the only guy <laughs> who stayed all year round last year on the right. Bills who wasn't hurt. Now, some guys mm-hmm. might be hurt and need to go through rehab right. and see the trainers. But Lorenzo Alexander, the <laughs> only guy. Not Kyle Williams. Kyle Williams, as soon as the season's yeah, over, pack, yeah, he packs his kids up. Those, even the guys who have their kids in school, they'll right. just go they switch to school. Well, they're so young, you can right. take them back and forth. That's what I used to but do Lorenzo, when I was there. Lorenzo's like, yeah, he's, that man's committed. <laughs> he, he and is. he's gone beyond what you know the Bills organize for Tuesday events. He does a lot of things on his own, mm-hmm. South Park football team. And yeah, he does. Yeah, things does. that he doesn't even really promote and want everybody to know about it, even beyond that. Yeah. Thurm, are you able to stay for another segment or two? Sure, I can go. How about till 5? You want to stay till 5? I is can that go pushing to 5. It? I can probably go to five. All right, we got forty yeah. minutes. Yeah, if you don't have to, I mean, we're gonna take it easy. We're gonna ask you any tough questions. All the tough questions are out of the way. All right, let's talk. Some- I mean, we'll still talk about. It. I mean, we're here to talk about some bond reform, and I think that is a fascinating topic. I didn't. It's not like I just tricked you to come in here so that way we can switch it and talk about it. I don't know. <laughs> no. This is this is what's fascinating to me. It really is. I mean, we could talk. Any, any, you can talk about Josh Allen seven days a week with anybody. Yep. So. Talk about Lashawn McCoy. I don't know. Kyle coming back, Lorenzo coming yeah. back, Jerry. I mean, there's. We can probably talk about all kinds maybe of stuff. The, that... Hopefully, the downfall of the New England Patriots. I mean, it's timely this week. Is it? Yeah, that could happen. What would be, that what could would be a better th- I mean, of all the teams. That would be symbolic. Bills going in there and beating them, and, and it's just downhill from there. All right. Well, let's talk about that okay. with Thurman Thomas yeah. when we come back on the Tim Graham show which is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. This is the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show. What are you looking at now? Nothing. What are you looking at now? Nothing. Here's what a poor boob looks like. I've got news for you. This poor boob. Is you taking your calls at 270 1270? The Tim Graham Show. The Tim Graham Show on Twitter at 1270 The Fan. This is Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. 
Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show. In studio with us here today, Thurman Thomas, Buffalo Bills running back, legend, Hall of Famer, Wall of Famer, and even a more elite class than that. I'd have to go back and look, but when I did my story for The Athletic on your jersey being retired, there are fewer people in the NFL who've had their numbers retired than are in the Hall of Fame. So having your number retired is even more select than... And, I mean, unfortunately speaking, but some players get their jerseys retired because they, they're because of tragedy. Yeah. You know, so. So they're not all, not all performance. Right. Right. Interesting. So you even, uh, so people whose jerseys were retired for being an elite performer is uh, really small. That's pretty cool. Last one, I can, what, Pat Tillman? Pat Tillman, right, yeah. Um, That was a. Like Joe Delaney right. with, Kansas yeah, with Kansas City, Brian Piccolo. I mean, but there's a yeah guys yeah. who've uh, recently been Pat Tillman though. Yeah, Pat yeah. Tillman I think is the most mm-hmm. recent for sure. Yeah. Um, Thurman Thomas is in studio. We're talking about all kinds of things, but uh, the focus has been bond reform. A pretty heavy discussion. If you're tuning in to listen to like what I think about Josh Allen and going up against Tom Brady, you're probably <laughs> been disappointed. But this is an important topic. Does our you know, sponsor appreciate this topic? Probably. Viola Cummings and Lindsay, <laughs> your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys, call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. I'm sure they've worked with a bail bondsman or two. But, um, you know, Thurman, we were talking about uh, the activism among athletes today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know that I'd, I'd like to ask you about LeBron James because he's really come to the forefront uh, I think, and has become the uh, almost the alpha of the the athlete activist. Uh, he's he commands your attention. Uh, he's unlike Colin Kaepernick, which is right. why he was so able. We were uh, society was so readily uh, kicking him aside. Mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick, even though he was a, a quarterback in the Super Bowl, but LeBron James, you can't deny him. But real, real quick on Colin Kaepernick, as time goes by, what are your feelings on what Colin Kaepernick did and what you think it cost him now that we're a few years removed from it? Um, you know what? It's, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to say what it has cost him. I mean, because he's continuing to still advocate for what he believes in and, and where it all started. Um, I mean, you look at a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he was on the front and center of something for Nike. Uh, it was, I think, it was their, was it? It's it a was commercial on one somebody's fiftieth year right. of something. Mm-hmm. And no, it was on. Was it Sports Illustrated? I can't remember what it was, but he was on the front and center of it, and it was sponsored by Nike. And you know, they were selling hoodies and shirts and all that sold out. So I mean, I I, I think yes, it probably did hurt his career, but I don't think it has slowed him down to this point. Um, now, can he play football after two years? We may never know that question again. I mean, And, and his name is always going to be uh, coming up when you're talking about getting a backup quarterback in the National right. Football League. His name always pops up, you know. Well, and it's I think co- in the last couple of weeks, teams have said in their meeting, we have we thought about Colin Kaepernick. can't remember what team, but they, they have thought about it. But Nathan Peterman is now an Oakland Raider. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah, he signed with the Raiders today. So yeah. Nathan Peterman, and this is where I feel bad about Nathan Peterman, he has become the symbol of racism 
in the NFL, right? <laughs> the poor guy. I mean, poor uh, guy. through no fault of his own, right. but people look at it, and he is. Nathan Peterman can get a job, but Colin Kaepernick can't. And so, like, the NFL oh, yeah. is racist. <laughs> right. EJ so, Manuel, I mean, he, said well, as EJ much. EJ Manuel, yeah, he he came out with a Instagram message that really ripped into the Bills keeping Nathan Peterman when he couldn't have a job, and then yeah. ended uh, it with "I wonder why," which everybody understood, <laughs> right? Where he was going there, yeah, absolutely, right. absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, I don't, you know, Nathan Peterman didn't ask for any of this. No. Um, the thing though about Colin Kaepernick is, and I've been a huge fan of what he has done all throughout his first the first very first time he decided to even sit for the national anthem or to kneel for it i was all i was fine with it i have no problem with it in fact i was i kind of got me excited a little bit to see where it was going to go yeah because you knew it was going somewhere i sure did (laughs) i sure did especially Mm -hmm. when the president came out and started talking about it the way he did and i thought all right here we go this is (laughs) this is going to be the story for a long time um but i will say this I, I'm I, I've tired of the, and this is where it's hurting Nathan Peterman is whenever there's a backup quarterback signed in the NFL, people saying, "See, it's collusion. He's blackballed. Mm-hmm. It's racism. Whatever it is." The guy, as you said, Thurman, he's been out of the NFL for two years. There comes a point when the fact that he hasn't played is more important. You know, actually, is a factor. But there are guys like Josh Johnson, Mark Sanchez, and the Redskins. Yeah. Went out and signed those guys this year. They haven't played in just yeah. as long as yeah. Colin Kaepernick. Derek so. Anderson was or hadn't been on the field in a long time. Right. Yeah. Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley was yeah. 2006. So 2016. I was. I guess why I was just kind of delineating between. Yeah. I think in the beginning I was like mm-hmm. he's being blackballed, right. but now it, they've gotten to the point where it's like eh, I kind of even if there is a GM out there willing to that's uh, that's willing to give a guy a chance do you give it to Colin Kaepernick I don't know so so much has been said about when he first started kneeling to now I don't you know you have to talk to him and see if you know what if I do go back what a circus it's going to be yeah do I want to put myself back in that situation yeah. because I pretty much whatever I set out to do it's working right now right it's working right now now do I want to step back on that football field and try to go to another team and all this is going to start all over again, more importantly, right where he's going to be. Now, can you imagine if it's the Jets, how it would be in a big media market? You know, I don't know if you're at that point and you have done so well in advocating for what you're about. I don't know if you want to step back out there. I mean, that's I, – and I could be wrong. Maybe he does want to play again. And we don't he, really even get a lot of straight information as to nope. what he wants to he do. Does. Or Not, if he's in shape or uh, any of these other Pro Football things. Talk reported – three or four weeks ago that he very much wants a job, doesn't expect to be the starter, he's in shape, he's training, he's hasn't received any calls. That he he wants to play, but he hasn't. Yeah. But to your point that, that could also be coming from an agent or an attorney. I would assume it's yeah, Mark Aragos who's Which leading the lawsuit. Which is good for lawsuit. your collusion case. If you if right. if you let right. it be known that you don't want to play anymore, then there goes your collusion right. case. Right. <laughs> then there goes well his case in general, but right. to your point about how um yeah, whatever he's doing is working. I was watching, I think it was NBC Nightly News a couple of nights ago, and it was Vanity Fair or Variety. One of the, the entertainment magazines had a, a editor on who was talking about the Super Bowl halftime show where there were six, seven, eight different acts that wouldn't accept the NFL's offer because of Colin Kaepernick and because they didn't want to be associated with the league because of all the backlash that they've gotten over that. And I think eventually – you know, came down to Maroon 5 Maroon or somebody. Five. But there was all these people who turned them down because 
yeah. of Colin Kaepernick. And Not because of who he is, but because of what the league is for keeping him out. Right. In Maroon 5 in Atlanta, where there's tons of right. known rappers or whatever right. that can sing the National Anthem. Sure. And they were like, mm-mm. Nope, we're not having it. Yeah. So I mean that. That that's, I mean, <laughs> Atlanta. Usher lives in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> he hey. would love to see Usher sing the national anthem, but or half because of what the My NFL God. has done and what Colin yeah. Kaepernick has done, they are not going at it because of what they've done now. Where and this is where LeBron James I think comes in because yeah. he's a guy you can't knock off the pedestal. Oh man. So. <laughs> What what can what do you think he can accomplish? <laughs> a lot from here on out. A lot from here on out. And I and I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of my friends that I know, they they loved LeBron when he went to Cleveland, but they hated him after the decision. Just absolutely hated him after the the decision. Won a couple of championships in Miami, went back to Cleveland, won one there, and opened up this school and has tweeted back at the president of the United States. He's not afraid. You know, he is not what Michael Jordan was. Michael Jordan would speak out on anything. Very rarely would he speak out on anything. And you can say the same thing for Tiger Woods also. But LeBron has been that guy since he's gotten to the league in 18 and has grown, matured, and just, man, become he's become like one of my favorite guys to listen to. Because you can see that he's thought about all this that has been going on. He was a single parent from Akron, Ohio. He saw the struggle that his mom had, and he's seen the struggle that all kids have had. And now for him to man be out there not afraid to attack any, any issue that is going on here in the United States, and especially when it deals with the African-American uh, community, he has not held back. He is coming stronger. He's getting stronger. He's... He's becoming one of my favorite. I mean, he's right up there, I think. Now, everybody probably would like with Muhammad Ali. Yeah. He's not af- he's not afraid to talk about anything that's on the board. He's a guy who's been in the league since the star the star has been on him since he's been 18. And I think Name him one time he's been in the news for something bad. He has a head Not unless you want to count his mom and uh, the teammates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like that, national. What was his name? Is that Delonte, Delonte West? West? Delonte yeah. West. That's that's yeah. National Host yeah. of his own problems. <laughs> well, seriously, <laughs> and that is a joke. The biggest scandal he's really ever been a part of was as he bought a Hummer when he was in high school, and it was against oh, right. NCAA rules. And that's right. That was, I think, the last time that there was kind of a ooh LeBron. Other than leaving, yeah. Cleveland was kind of portrayed yeah. as right. evil. But I love him. Absolutely love him. Think he's doing an outstanding job, and I think he's going to continue this for the next, I don't know, fifteen, twenty years or whatever. What if he though? Oh, go ahead, I was, Mike. I was just going to say the culture in the NBA seems to be more accepting of that. Like Steve Kerr will openly talk about Greg Donald Popovich. Trump, Popovich. Greg Popovich. <laughs> Whereas I think the NFL, a lot of the coaches, it's just focus on football. There's a very militaristic. You know, we can't have any distractions. And part of that might just be that there's more players and more personalities and to NBA manage. NBA ratings but, are going up. Right. So anything the NBA about is this, not well, struggling. the NFL's ratings are down or people are upset because of, the, of kneeling, but it, there's no kneeling in NASCAR, and those ratings are right. just plummeting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and basketball, they're kind of, you know, 
relatively speaking, mm-hmm. compared to the NFL guys, they're militant yeah. right. over there. The right. white over the white guys are militant, <laughs> right? And uh, and the ratings are going up. Yeah. But you've been in the locker room. I mean, how if you're if you're doing what LeBron's doing or Steve Kerr's doing, how would that play in a football locker room? Um, you know, I think it would still be maybe the same. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure if I'm not so sure if our head coach would want to go down that route or an owner, but I definitely do think you will have players, more players that will be on. And I think players in the NBA are on LeBron's side. I think, but you know, you got what twelve for each team in the National Football League. I mean, you get fifty-three on a roster. So I mean, mm-hmm. if you get ten or fifteen of those guys in every city, you know, that's huge numbers right there. So. Um, I, I think it would go um, in, in a locker room like in the National Football League because you, I mean, look at the one locker room that I always go back to. Guys never afraid, afraid to say anything is that Seattle Seahawks locker room. Mm-hmm. Richard Short, Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, those guys were speaking out on everything. Yeah. They, but that was a strong locker room that happened to be broken up by not handing Marshawn the ball in the second Super Bowl. Yeah. But that was a strong locker room, and it continued to be strong. It, I mean, and all of a sudden— Philadelphia. Exactly. And then they won a Super Bowl. And they won a Super Bowl. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's probably not a lot of statistics to go on what we're talking about. Right. But if you have that strong locker room, like Philadelphia, the perfect example, you know, Michael Jenkins being right out there in front. But you have that locker room, man, that can bond together and get like this— you know, you don't have to speak out about it. Mm-hmm. You can be one of those 15 players, and if you're not, but you can still like, okay, I believe in these guys, but I'm not going to say anything. And that'll draw a team closer together, man. Exactly, you know, what if Nick Foles pulls this off again? Mm. <laughs> and I think well, – I don't think it's happening. But he's joining. Yeah. He's joining. He, he, you might be watching him put on one of those gold jackets. Automatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting his jersey retired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, a bit of a false flag to think that speaking out politically would divide a locker room. I mean, Jim Brown was doing that back in the 60s, and I don't think that made him less popular with his teammates in Cleveland. Maybe it did, but it, we don't Everybody really. scared of Jim Brown. Well, <laughs> yeah. But it seems like a noble thing. It might even you know, strengthen the bonds between teammates as long as they somewhat respect and agree with the positions. Right, right. right. And, I think, and I think with that, too, if something happens on the other side – you have to respect those guys' opinion, too, or what they're talking right. about. I'm sure you've deliberated on the thought. Maybe uh, as you're drifting off to sleep at night and then you got a couple of minutes and the TV's off and you got some quiet, did you ever what, – what did you think about what if I had played at a time when guys were kneeling on the sideline and would I have done it? Um. Oh, yeah, there's been plenty of times where I've thought about it, yeah. And what? where'd you get? Um – I put it this way: If if I had the same locker room back then that I have like right now, and I talked to those guys like when the first first started, we all had an agreement—not an agreement, but kind of, yeah, this is what I would have done. And a lot of guys said they would stand. 
they would stand for the national anthem. So you're talking about the guy, the team you played on, the team that it, I played okay, on. Okay. After all this went down with yeah. Kaepernick mm-hmm. three years ago, two yeah. years ago, whatever, because we we ha- we have these conversations. Yeah. Jim was very vocal yeah. about Jim it. Jim was course. very local about it, about mm-hmm. you know saying that he was standing, but a couple other guys, I, I don't want to throw any names out there, but said that they would stand. But I think if you had somebody like I don't know, you know, maybe it could have been somebody like. I don't know, say like Howard Ballard. Could have been that guy, and he decided, okay, Neil. Now, with knowing him and knowing where he came from and knowing what he was kneeling about, I probably would have kneeled. So he wouldn't be alone? So he wouldn't thing? be alone, right, mm-hmm. you know. But I think so with that, a lot of other players would have did it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, it's – you don't want to kind of say, yeah, it depends on who the person is, but if you look at their background and where they came from and what they're talking about, yeah, yeah that might change your mind a little bit. I mean, you want to show your support, and that's kind of what's what? happened in Philly, too. Yeah, yeah, with Chris Long, you know, yeah. joining in. Like oh he's God. like, I didn't feel comfortable kneeling or raising the fist myself, but I'll hug you while you do it. Yeah, I'll tell you. And, and, and that's another way of showing that you support. You know, I'm just going to do it a different way. And I, I, I'm saying, I talk to Chris Long all the time on Twitter. You know, I mean, he talks, you know, I yeah, talked about his legends. dad. Yeah, I mean, Both he, of you guys. him and his, I mean, he is so far, uh, you know, become one of my favorite guys who I like. I mean, speaks very, very well. And uh, he, he's a, uh, he's definitely a leader. I mean, hell, he won two back-to-back championships, right? He gave away his salary last yeah, year. Yeah, gave away mm-hmm. his salary. So, you know, there's a, there are a, a number of guys um, that are doing things throughout the community uh, for, for, for the good of the people. And I just... Uh, you know, I just hope that just, just one day, you know, we can just see it end and be like, you know what? Let's everybody try to help each other, you know, not be Democrat, not be Republican. Just everybody kind of come together and help each other. And uh, I don't know if we'll see it in my lifetime, but I'm really kind of like setting myself up to be when I get to a certain age and be like, everything's working out. Everything's working out yeah. for everybody, you know, and, and not see us, not see us go backwards, not see us go backwards. Let us go forward. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna have Thurman Thomas for one more segment, a quick one, and I'm gonna ask him if he's still a Republican. When we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys, call two eight five nine five five five. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. This is the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio twelve seventy The Fan. This is the Tim Graham Show. Other than it's a silly, I'm doing the wank. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show. Thurman Thomas has been in studio with us for an hour, or it will be an hour by the time he leaves. So thanks for doing this, Thurman. No problem, man. Talking about some uh, important stuff. Talking about bond reform. We're talking about activism. Talking about oppression. All the different things that... uh, that are getting you agitated and inspired. <laughs> uh, yes. Moving forward here, <laughs> and uh, how you're going to spend your time trying to get people to act and change. Yeah. And, uh, that that's a hell of a legacy to have if if you're able to pull some of this stuff off. Yeah. Um. You know. Hopefully, I will. I mean. You know. I think everybody kind of knows if you're right here in Buffalo, you know about the football stuff. You know. That was from 88 to 2000. But from 07, I have a longer time to be here doing stuff in the community. 
that, you know, I want people who see me 20, 30 years down the line be like, hey, remember what you did for that bail bond reform? That's what I want to hear. I, the football yeah. stuff is just kind of like. I hope I can do that 30 years from now. Hopefully I'm around yeah. to hear that conversation. Yeah, you know, like I said, I, I want this to be a really nice area that is treating everyone fairly in the next 30, 40 years, or sooner than that. But I'm just saying kind of when I might be on my way out. You know, I want to be able to see that change and feel that change uh, within the city of Buffalo and, and really across the country. Uh, you know, that's kind of where I'm at, uh, where I will continue to be at. Um, uh, my wife, Patty, my all four of my kids, we are really in tune to what's going on um, in the world political, and just kind of in society. Are you still Republican? My, <laughs> <laughs> you really want me to answer that? Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm curious. Um, I am uh, no longer a Republican. What are you? Do you identify with anything? I do not at this point identify with anything, but uh, I feel like... Um, my party has kind of let me down on a lot of issues that I do not agree with. And so my wife and I are really, you know, we, we really don't know which way we're going to go now. Uh, but uh, I will not let my party define who I am as a person. Because I think some of the stuff that they're talking about, some of the stuff that they're doing, it's just not right. And I see now that... You, I can't remember who. I think I saw a couple of um, Republicans switch over to being Democrat. Uh, I can't remember what states they were in, but uh, but uh, you know, me and my wife, and we know we struggle with this because we want to help both sides. We really do want to help both sides. But I feel like when you look at it now, um, especially in this area, uh, the Democratic Party is doing a lot more than the Republican Party is doing at this point right now. And would, that's the way me and my wife feel. Would you ever consider running for office? No. Nope. I hope you never ask me that again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, is it offensive to ask the question? <laughs> no, it's not, but I will not. All right. I will not. I, me and my wife but here's will the continue thing. to advocate People for, change their minds. You know, it's no, like when the election cycles come along and they ask, they, they ask uh, let's see, who will it be? Um, uh the uh, in Texas almost beat Beto uh, O'Rourke. He's going to be asked every time he does an interview right. from now until twenty, you know, right. twenty nineteen. Are you right. going to run for president? And he'll say uh, no. Are you going to run for president? No. Are you going to run for president? No. And then pretty, and then at some point he's going to say yes. <laughs> so no, that's it. You I just have no appetite for I it. I have no appetite for it. Um, I, I think the the way that I'm doing it right now with my family. Outside of that, there would be no time for me to do anything else. And um, because, you know, me and my wife, you know, we, we're still, we got kids that are 27 and 29 years old, and we're still waiting for grandkids. And so there will never be a time, I don't think, in the next five, six, seven years or whatever to even think about that because I'll be wanting to spend it with my grandkids and my family. So well, The reason I ask is because you're one of the most politically aware people I Especially when it comes to, uh, I shouldn't say period, but when it comes to somebody with the celebrity or that 
charisma, that aura, to be politically aware and have that aspect of their life, too, that if you did run for office, you yeah. would probably have a pretty good chance of winning. Because you can well, talk the issues, and you can, uh, you obviously are a people person, and, and you have the... Uh, you have the uh, the capital. Right. You have the uh, intellectual capital, or the uh, people know you. You've built yourself up in this in Western well, New York. Yeah, you know what? And and really, you know, just saying all that. Yeah, you know, if I probably did, if I did run, I I, I would expect to win. I mean, that's kind of how I am as an athlete. Why wouldn't I expect to win if I ran for some type of office, right? But uh, I, I'm just at a point now, right now, where I'm just where we're just deciding on things that we actually like that can definitely help the people and help the city of Buffalo. That, that's kind of been what we've been looking for. That's what we look for in our foundation, uh, Thurman Thomas Family Foundation. Uh, you know, that's what we've looked for uh, being over at the Northland uh, Center uh, over on North, uh, Northland Avenue. Uh, so it's been about helping people the past three years, and I think with me doing what I've done over the past eight years since I've been back here, uh, I will continue to do and uh, and hopefully, you know, make people's lives better. I mean, that, that's pretty much basically what my family and I want to do here in the city of Buffalo. Thurman, I wanted to ask you about football during this segment, but I'm not going to. <laughs> and the reason being is I want this whole hour to have not been anything about football. Right. It was all about community. It yeah. was about reform. It was about laws. It's about awareness. It's about activism. It's about going out there and doing something that that uh, inspires you to go out and make a change. Mm-hmm. So, we'll, after you go, Mike Rodak and Jonah Bronstein and Bobby Rosati and I will debate whether or not the Patriots are collapsing. We're not going to ask you. <laughs> People may want to know your opinion, but no. Thurman Thomas came in here and talked. we talked about everything that wasn't football. Right, right. And I'm happy with that. In fact, I think that's I, that's the way we should leave it. I appreciate that. I mean, I mean, when you talk about, you know, lending your hand and having a voice in the city that you play for, in the city that you live in, uh, that you live in, I think it's important that you know, we kind of have more of these discussions. You know, I would love to come back, you know, in a month or so or whatever, and have the same discussion and not talk about football and talk about you know maybe something else that I'm doing. Well, this is what's going to happen. I mean, because you know what, I feel I feel comfortable in here. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to come back in in a month, and every, we'll, we'll do a standing, uh, we'll do a schedule. And every month, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire, and I'm going to say, what did you get done this month, Thurman? <laughs> we don't have, and I'm going to have a checklist. I'm going to say, we don't have bond reform yet, and you are going to feel like you're an elected official. And you're going to say, the by the public. end of it, you're going to say, I might as well run because I'm getting... I'm getting hammered yeah. every time somebody sees me now. Keep meeting minutes. And yeah, we have, right, right. we'll have yeah, we'll yeah. we'll have a gavel. <laughs> Bring it to order. Thurman yeah. Thomas, legendary running back of the Buffalo Bills, legendary Western New Yorker, yeah. legendary like guy that. in the community. And again, 2018, the year of Thurman. Had his 34 retired. Had it was featured on NFL Network's A Football Life. The Thurman Thomas Family Foundation announces a few weeks back that it's giving out scholarships to three African-American students every year to attend ECC. Am I leaving anything out? Bond reform speech in front of the Erie County Legislature last week. What'd you do? What'd you do in the spring? What'd you do in the spring? (laughs) Did you do any? Did you accomplish anything in the spring, or did you save it all up for the second half of twenty eighteen? The second half. The second half. I was more like with my son playing baseball in the spring. So I was more concentrated on that. I didn't I didn't really do anything. All right, I, only real quick. We don't have to get into it cuz we're we're heading to a break, but I remember when you tweeted 
that Little Thurm was going to play baseball and that he wasn't going to play football anymore. And I want to say you almost had like the hands up emoji or something. Like it was a triumphant (laughs) tweet. Did you not want him to play football? It was more of Patty didn't want him to play football. Okay. I I actually wanted him to give it one more try. Uh, Like the last time he played, he had a really serious concussion. Mm -hmm. And uh, and at at that time, I didn't want him to play. But now that I see that he's this kid who's 5'11", almost six foot, 205 pounds, and would love to see him like at free safety, you know? So even with this baseball career that is going, he mentions to me every single year, I'm going to play football. And I do think if he does get a scholarship, because there are some schools that are looking at him that are down south, I do believe that – I'm kind of wishing, but I do believe that he will play baseball and he will play football. Wow. Kyler Murray. D1? I, I th- yes. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. Exactly. But mm-hmm. senior year, mm-hmm. senior yeah. year – so senior year at Canisius, we may see uh, uh, Thurman Thomas on the field? I don't know. I I, I can't tell you. It, he's it's, only got it's one shot left, yeah, He's right? only got one shot left. It's his decision, and he knows there's a time where – they cut off. Yeah. They just don't allow tryouts anymore because his so base, his that, baseball season long goes all the way through the summer because he goes to Florida. Travel he, season. He right. travel all the time. So are you saying he he's – this is like a prediction you just had, that he's yeah. going to go do both, that he'll play college football without having played any high school or whatever? Yeah. He had, without – what, he played as a freshman and that's he it, as right? as a freshman, yeah. And then that's going to be it. And that's going to be it. Oh, yeah. shoot. Well, I'm looking I, forward to this. I just kind of, I just kind of think that he's talented enough to do it. And I watch his, I watch he plays center field. I watch his motions all the time, and it reminds me of, oh, wow, he can backpedal still, <laughs> right? <laughs> After oh, not right. playing yeah. three years of high school bo- football, he can backpedal. Oh my God! Look, sure. You see him take that first step. So, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, it's out there. To happen mm-hmm. if he chooses the right school. So, uh, but you know he's a great kid, and uh, we love him. We love all our kids, but I think he might turn out to be something special. Well, well, everybody will be watching him, of course. Yeah. Baseball diamond or football field, whatever. And uh, hopefully, we do get to have you back here in studio, and we'll I keep revisiting it. these issues. All right, thank you very much, Thurman Thomas. Everybody, thanks for coming in, Thurm, the legendary number thirty-four. Nobody will ever wear it again. Uh, The Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. After this, more uh, Bills talk, analyzing whether the Patriots are uh, done, and uh, and more. William Benditson from uh, Maven is going to be on. We had him on before the game uh, the last time the Bills played the Patriots. We're going to have Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas. Uh, And more on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. It's nice to have Thurman Thomas here in studio. He easily could have done that over the phone. I asked him if he wanted to come in and talk about bond reform because uh, it is a topic that uh, he has adopted as uh, as one that he would like to uh, accomplish something with, be a voice here in Western New York. And 
I just figured he'd be like, yeah, how about if I call in at 4.15 or whatever? But he says, what's the address? And then he came in and yeah. he stayed for three segments. That was good. Felt like we did some real journalism there. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, almost. Almost. <laughs> but this is a sports show. And uh, UB Basketball uh, had a huge victory last night at Syracuse. And this, of course, is the official Syracuse station. It is the affiliate for Buffalo uh, of the Orange. And so the game was here on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. And uh, Jonah, what's your takeaway on the importance of this win? And I know that UB was the underdog against West Virginia. West Virginia had a national ranking at the time that UB went to Morgantown and won that game. I don't know why, but last night's victory seems more significant to me. And I don't know if it's just because there are so many more Syracuse fans around that maybe it makes a bigger impact. The fact that it's two hours away in a New York state. I don't know why, but the prestige of beating Syracuse at the Carrier Dome seems to resonate. Well, there's a lot of prestige for winning down at West Virginia. They don't lose home games, non-conference home games very right. often either. But it's, I think the people of Western New York don't know that. Right. They it's, know it's, Syracuse. It's more historically significant because of who Syracuse is, the history you be hadn't beaten Syracuse since 1963, a non-major team hadn't gone in there and beaten Syracuse on its home floor since David Robinson and Navy in 1986. And it was the way UB won. They won by 12. They took control of the game. They won going away. You know, the win over West Virginia was in overtime. They had to come back in that one, so this was a little bit more impressive. Now, it is interesting that these are two of the marquee games on their schedule, and they're starting to look like, just at least in terms of rankings and the different power rating systems, that they're not as big of a wins as, as you would expect from beating two teams like West Virginia and Syracuse. But it still means a lot, and the significance is, at this point, UB's in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they, they can falter, but if – the selection show was today. If the selection show, if the MAC tournament was this weekend, a selection show was coming after that, they're in. They could potentially fall apart. You know, they oh, yeah. would have to lose what five well, games in MAC play, or so if they if they stumble around in the Mid American Conference, they'd have to I'm not, sure not win the regular season title. I think. I don't know about necessarily how many losses it would take, but if they're not the best team in the MAC at the end of the season, then it's going to be hard for them to get an at large bid. But that's about it, and I don't know how many losses that takes. This Marquette game, they can win and, and further raise their profile, but I don't think that's going to hurt them. Even if they were to slip against Canisius, I don't think that would hurt them. You know, they have enough quality wins that they can take a bad loss. Uh, you don't know how many bad losses they can take, but you know they were, they only lost two games in the MAC last year, and they're playing better now. Unless they have a rash of injuries, I don't really see how they're not going to win 15, 16 MAC games again. Who is the biggest? threat in the mid-american oh, conference is well, it ball state the league is much better um toledo who they played in the championship game last year only has one loss they're pretty high in a lot of the different the new net the the old rpi those type of ratings kent state only has two losses they're in ub's division they're tough overall the mac is rated higher this year than it's been the last few years which can help ub if it wins it it will help keep their rating strong and i think the committee will recognize that wins over Toledo and wins over Kent State and Akron and those type of teams mean a little bit more. But it could hurt their chances of winning 16, 17 conference games. It, maybe they need that. And it all there's also this sliding scale of, okay, they're in, but what's their seed going to be? 
Right now they're trending toward being maybe a top five seed, and that's important because you avoid playing a one or a two in the second round, which you would get as a eight, nine, ten, eleven seed. And so they could be an at-large team, but if they slip a little bit down the stretch, they get in as a nine or a ten seed. That's not as good as where the position they've almost put themselves in now. I was surprised at how well UB was able to finish. Well, for two reasons. Uh, I was at the game against Southern Illinois in which they looked – pretty sloppy at times, even though they were explosive at the beginning of the game and at the start of the second half. They were clearly the better team, totally outclassed Southern Illinois, but then they also, towards the end of the first half, went seven minutes and 40 seconds without a field goal. And I just thought, okay, you can get away with this against Southern Illinois, but you're not going to be able to get away with this in at Syracuse. Well, and and. That was kind of bearing itself out, I think, through much of the first half, and I thought that uh, that Syracuse was was going to outclass UB. So that was really, uh, if if you're a UB fan, that had to be super encouraging to see the way that UB just gathered itself and powered uh, down to the finish line. Well, they struggled against the zone defense against Southern Illinois, and you saw a little bit yesterday, a little bit of that yesterday at Syracuse as well. I think ten for thirty three, something like that, from three point range. And they've had, I believe, more than half their games, six of their 11 games, where they've shot below average from the three-point line. And last year they were an above-average three-point shooting team. They are a good three-point shooting team. They can put a lot of shooters on the floor, six, seven different guys that can make them. But as a whole, they've had these cold stretches. It happened against Southern Illinois, two for 17 in the first half, something like that, and they still win. And that's really impressive because when you shoot a lot of threes, you, you shoot quickly like they do – they say you live and die with a three-point shot, but they've been able to overcome that rebounding, defense, uh, getting inside when they need to, to where they really haven't played their best game yet, at least against a good opponent, and they're still beating Syracuse by 12 when they didn't shoot it that great. When they do those net quadrants at the end of the year, those are based on the end of the season net rankings, right? So theoretically, if we want to talk about the doomsday scenario for for uh, UB would be if Syracuse has a terrible ACC schedule. If this these back-to-back losses to Old Dominion and UB are, you know, yeah. prophetic of something to come, and then their net ranking drops, and then UB slips up in conference play, and then all of a sudden they don't have the quality win anymore on their record. That would be, yeah, I think well, what would kill them. But I don't think it would kill them, it, and I don't know how much it would hurt them, but it, it doesn't help them as much as it could. Right At this point, if you're a UB fan, you're rooting for West Virginia, you're rooting for Syracuse, eventually Marquette, Southern Illinois even could raise up a little bit in their league play. San Francisco is UB's best win right now. You still want them to do well in the West Coast Conference, and those can be Quadrant 1 wins. But there's also Quadrant 2 wins, which I think is where Syracuse and West Virginia may end up if those teams aren't great in their conference play, and those are still good too. And really, it's it's your record in those games. It's not necessarily how many you have, although it hurts mid-majors when they have zero. But if they're 2-0, and if they're 3-0, and 4-0, and 5-0, and as long as they're something and 0, that makes a big difference. Or something and 1 if they were to lose to number 20 Marquette this Friday, shaping up to really be their toughest test of the season, which maybe you didn't think that coming into the year, looking at West Virginia and Syracuse and where they were ranked. Where does Nate Oates coach next year? Well, that's an open question. At this point, he's getting a lot of national attention, and usually that leads to a bigger job, more money, uh, just a higher level on the coaching ladder that that pretty much all coaches climb. But he's 
said that he wants to stay. I think he's sincere that he does, would like to stay here and build this program up. It's going to take a little bit more commitment from the university and having him believe that what he wants to do is, instead of leaving for a high major job, turn Buffalo into a high major job. Now, that's a tall task, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in one offseason. But if they can convince him that it's trending in that direction, I think he might stick this out for a little while. It's hard to see him staying here forever, but Mark Few stayed at Gonzaga. Uh, Brad Stevens stayed at Butler until he went to the NBA. He never left for a bigger college. So there's examples of this happening. It's just interesting because to keep this run going for years and years and years, it's going to get very expensive for UB, for New York State, and without enough fan support. I'm not saying there isn't fan support, but without enough financial fan support, that's really hard to do. And facilities as well. But their net ranking, which just came out today, their new one is 10. Moving up from 12, uh, that makes them the highest ranked mid-major in the country, passing Nevada, uh, which slipped down to number 12. And they're number five in the old RPI, which isn't used anymore, but sort of a reflection to, to compare it to past seasons. What's the thumbnail preview of UB at Marquette? High scoring. I mean, Marquette scores. UB's, I think, in the top 20 in scoring per game. Marquette's probably close. I don't have that number in front of me. And it'll be UB's biggest test. I mean, back-to-back road games, I think they came home from Syracuse and then are going out to Wisconsin. But that's still a tough turnaround with only a couple days off, coming off that emotional high on the road. It didn't hurt them last night in Syracuse, but that's, that's an issue against a Big East team. Marquette might be the best team in the Big East. And then... They have what, Canisius and then Mac schedule. Right, Canisius next Saturday. That game's already sold out. The earliest before a game that a Canisius game's been sold out since they reconfigured the Kessler Center 15 years ago. <laughs> that was in the release. I'm not sure exactly what that means. I think it's a reduction in seats, but right. Yeah, how many? What's the what's the Kessler hold? I think it's around 1,800. I'd be shocked if that wasn't sold out. Well, I thought it would sell out, I but how it early sold it's out selling out. Weeks ago. That's a little, I wouldn't say rare, but that doesn't seem to happen. Usually they play Niagara, and that game sells out a couple days before the game. I mean, there aren't a lot of seats to sell. Right. Yeah. So Syracuse slipped down from 64 to 73 in the net rankings. That makes them the 10th best team in the ACC. Syracuse isn't bad, though. They beat Ohio State. Mm-hmm. They have a winning record. They're probably lucky to beat Georgetown. They lost to Old Dominion. But they usually get better as the year goes along. Their strength of schedule in the ACC. See, the thing about these net rankings is we know the components, strength of schedule, efficiency margin, winning margin, your record, winning on the road, but we don't know the weights. So the old RPI, you could say an ACC team, that Syracuse probably going to float up to be in a top 50 team as long as they're around 500 in the conference. We don't know – if that's necessarily going to play out this time. But them being just outside the top 50 is a good sign that they might be near that by season's end. All right, when we come back, we're going to have William Benditson on the line from Foxborough, and we're going to talk about Sunday's game between the Buffalo Bills and New England Patriots at Gillette Stadium. Big game for... I think Josh Allen more than the Bills going up against Tom Brady in Foxborough, that whole thing. But bigger game yet for the New England Patriots. They need to correct whatever is ailing them as they try to reorganize for the postseason. Bobby, are you worried at this point about your Patriots? I'm excited. 
I, I, I love this. You, lo- you I, love I, turbulence? I love the turbulence, and I like the, the negativity because coming in, the Bills come. It couldn't be I don't more mean perfect. the Bills. I'm just talking no, about I mean, this, the playoffs oh, and the whole thing. I just think this is the perfect starting point. You're like excited? Thur- like Thurman said, that would be perfect the way to end the dynasty. This would be a great way to kick it back up. You're excited to have an extra playoff game. Yeah. So that way you don't yeah. have to be bored on that <laughs> yeah, opening right. playoff week like you usually are. You're excited about that extra one. Uh, no. Bobby Rosati is a Patriot fan. <laughs> Bobby, what are we vaping? Um, a little bit different today. It's uh, prickly berry, which is like a mix of uh, citrusy fruits. Not not really citrusy. That that because that's not berries. It's like uh, what am, not citrus. What am I trying to prickly, say? Like, is lighter that fruit. Prickly like lighter would say fruit. Pear. That type of stuff. Yeah. So you said lighter yeah. fruit, not like, lighter fluid. No, 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 no. Lighter fruit. Yeah. All right. So it's li- just that and anything else? And a little just bit of a blend? Uh, peach. Peach lemonade. Always the peach lemonade. Yeah, it's got to be. Base. The, ba- that's the base. That's <laughs> That's what it mixes in. All right, when we come back, we're going to have William Benditson from Maven uh, Network to tell us what's going on, uh, how many people are uh, lining up to jump off the Prudential Center uh, over what's happening with the New England Patriots on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummins and Lindsay. I'm going to try that again. Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. This is the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show. What are you looking at now? Nothing. What are you looking at now? Nothing. Here's what a poor boob looks like. I've got news for you. This poor boo is you. Taking your calls at 270-1270. The Tim Graham Show. The Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. He was in for the drinks and the skirts, allegedly. (laughs) Jason, Jason drinks and skirts. Feel free to call in with your favorite Derek Roy story. (laughs) 270-1270. And on The Fan's app, free to download in the App Store. The Tim Graham Show. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Do uh, any of my Patriots super fans here in attendance, Bobby Rosati or Michael Rodak, know the last time the Patriots lost three in a row? Uh, 2009 or 2002, one of those two years. Yeah. I bet you our next guest knows. Yeah. I was going to say in the appellate court trying to get Tom Brady's suspension reversed. You does the late gate is a that's a big loss. That's a that's like four in a row. They got four games. Was not two thousand nine. No, keep looking that up, Mike. I, I, yeah. uh, William Benditson of Maven is on the line with us here. William, do you know the answer to that question? I'm sure there are people. It's been committed to memory. There, everybody worried about three straight losses. It had to be two thousand two. It wasn't had to be. You're guessing. It was uh, well because 2002 they started three and zero, and then I think at a certain point they were four and five, and so um, yeah, it was too. It's been a long time, and um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that 2002 at one point they did lose three in a row. So it wasn't 2009 they covered that team. So back to back losses have been rare for these New England Patriots, and here they are at nine and five after back to back losses at Miami on a miracle finish. At Pittsburgh on a game that Pittsburgh just seemed to control, 
And now here they are hosting the Buffalo Bills in Foxborough. William Bendison of Maven, how would you assess the state of the Patriots right now heading into this game against the scrappy Bills? Well, it's funny, Tim. I, uh, I, you know, I think fans around here. One fan wrote me that nine and five is unacceptable, and I pointed out in an earlier tweet that Buffalo hadn't been nine and five since 1999. I looked that up, and uh, so I think the fans have gotten jaded around here. I mean, what is the guy going to do? Is he going to write a letter to the governor? Is he going to demand they shut down Gillette Stadium? Is he going to become a fan of the four and ten Jets? So. I don't know what. I mean, he says it's unacceptable, but he's going to have to accept it. I mean, look, I think that, <laughs> I think that the uh, you know the state of the Patriots is good. I mean, they're still nine and five. Um, you know, this is not one of their best teams. I mean, the last two weeks, uh, their run defense has just been really bad. Frank Gore ran all over them in Miami. Jalen Samuels was essentially the Steelers' third running back after Le'Veon Bell, if you count him, and then James Conner didn't play, so. They couldn't stop him. So, you know, their run defense has been bad. And, um, you know, offensively, I mean, against Miami overall, uh, they scored 33 points, so you can't complain there. I thought, you know, Gronk was on the field in the last play. Um, That was controversial. But what got forgotten was I think Gronk had his best game of the season in Miami. He had eight catches around 100 yards. So he, uh, he played well that game, And uh, except for the last play. Obviously, he's not a defensive player. Last week, he looked like the Gronk that we've seen sort of much of the season. He struggled. He had only two catches. I know Brady said after the game that he was double-teamed a lot. When I watched the game and checking with some of the other reporters on the coaches' tape, it only seemed he was double-teamed six or seven times. So he's slowing down. Then offensively, there was some sloppiness last week. Julian Edelman had two drops. Josh Gordon had a drop. So that you're not used to seeing. And then I think some of the false starts and the offensive holding were credit to the Steelers defensive line led the league in sacks going into the game and is very good and you know like on that final holding call uh Stephon Tewitt gets by Shaq Mason Mason holds him so I think that yeah I mean the team is not where the the fans would want it to be but hey uh you know I still think they'll get the two seed because I think they'll win these last two games and I think that Houston will lose in Philadelphia on Sunday so um and look if they get the two seed they've played very well at home this year they're six and oh Supposed to three and five on the road, so who knows? They can win a divisional game, and then you know, in the AFC Championship game, maybe they get to go stay at home if the one seed gets upset. So, I mean, they're still pop. Obviously, you guys know the AFC. You know, is not uh, there's no real great teams. You'd probably say. We're talking with William Bendenson of the uh, Football Maven Network. He covers the Patriots, and. Uh, William, I was talking to an NFL GM this week who's convinced that this will be Rob Gronkowski's last year based on what he's seen on the field and the fact that Gronkowski had been pretty much telling people that he was done after last season and needed to be talked into it uh, to return. Uh, now, uh, I guess what's your what's your opinion on that? And uh, how much of a domino could that be in other people wanting to leave. And I think that, you know, Tom Brady without Rob Gronkowski, I don't know, maybe he decides he doesn't want to do this anymore. Maybe Bill Belichick decides he doesn't want to do this anymore. He's he's said that he will not be coaching when he's 70, and I think he's 67. So uh, where are you, William, with just the, the idea that this Patriots empire, uh, which will end at some point, uh, might be on the verge of it? 
Well, it's a great question, Tim. I wouldn't expect anything less out of you and Rodek. Um, you know, I think that uh, Gronkowski... Jonah you know, Bronstein's over right? here shaking his head at, at just the idea that you are, <laughs> uh, are pumping our tires yeah, here. Uh, no, but Gronkowski, um, you know, going into training camp, I thought he would play two more years after this. Now I think it's one more year at most. Um, you know, I think the back issue, you remember when he came out of college, he only played one year of college football. The second year he had the back surgery, so he didn't play. That's why he fell to the second round. That stayed with him his entire career. Obviously, he's had the ankle issue there, too. He certainly looks slower than he is. Um, you know, I question, and I never like to question this, you know, his enthusiasm for football isn't maybe quite what it was. I mean, he's taken a lot of hits, a lot of pounding. We all know he was contemplated retirement last year. And I think it was interesting last offseason when the Patriots were, depending on who you believe, were thinking of trading him to the Lions. He wouldn't take the Lions' call. But I think during that time, Brady said he was unsure if he wanted to come back. So I think that, you know, Brady didn't was concerned last offseason with the weapons because don't forget, Brandon Cooks left, Danny Amendola left. Um, so he was concerned who he was going to have. And without Gronkowski, he really saw – you know, they were weak. You know, they went through about 10 receivers in training camp and then they lucked out and found Josh Gordon, the Browns that had it with them. So I think he was concerned about the weapons. And it's an interesting question because they have only one receiver under contract next year, Julian Edelman. So I don't expect Chris Hogan to be back. I don't expect Philip Dorsett to be back. We'll see what they do with Gordon. I think if they can get him at the right price, he'll be back. So it is interesting. They face uh, some real decisions in the offseason with their weapons, you know. Uh, on offense, you know, and even Edelman, I think he'll be back next year. He's had a very good year this year after being suspended the first four games. But, you know, uh, how many more years is he going to play? I think he'll definitely play next year. But, you know, those slot receivers, they take a lot of hits, too. I think it was in his early 30s that Welker started to fall off. I think Edelman's 32. So, you know, I don't expect Edelman to play more than two years, maybe three at most, but probably two years. So, yeah, I think that they're going to need to get some young talent in here, both offensively and defensively. I think, you know, Trey Flowers is a free agent. You know, I think he's good, not great. We'll see what they do with him. But they're front seven. They don't have much there after that. A lot of people think Hightower won't be back. So there could be a lot of change over in the offseason. And I'm glad you brought that up, Will, because I was going to ask you, if you look at the past six drafts, their first and second round picks, Isaiah Wynn, Sonny Michelle, Duke Dawson, Cyrus Jones, Malcolm Brown, Jordan Richards, Dominique Easley, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jamie Collins, and Aaron Dobson. How much of that do you think has played into where this team is at right now, and how do they fix that? I think, yeah, there's no question there's been some disappointing in the drafting. You pointed it out. Uh, there was talk. Malcolm Brown was in the final year of his deal. He was their Patriots' first-round pick in 2015. Uh, he you know, he's in his fourth year. There was talk maybe he gets traded. He's been okay, but I, I wouldn't, you know, whether he's back or not, he, you know, he is what he is. Uh, yeah, I mean, the drafting has to be, has to be better. And, um, you know, I think the biggest criticism is sometimes it seems that with the drafting is that it's about value and trading down and getting more picks and all this stuff rather than getting, you know, an elite player or two. I mean, my most frustrating draft for them with them is the 2009 draft where they traded down to get four second-round picks, and I think Clay Matthews was essentially begging to come to New England. Had they kept their first-round pick, they could have selected him. So, uh, you know, that some of the drafting, you know, Dobson just didn't pan out. And they haven't had, uh, through their history, great luck drafting receivers. I mean, they did find 
Edelman in the seventh round. He was a college quarterback. They had Deion Branch, but, you know, I mean, Wes Welker they got from the Dolphins, Randy Moss they brought in. So they haven't had great luck drafting receivers. They also haven't had great luck drafting defensive backs from Terrence Wheatley to Jonathan Wilhite to Darius Butler to Cyrus Jones. So they've really struggled in Rosai Dowling. Yeah, Yeah, they've really struggled with cornerbacks. So uh, for whatever reason, I mean, they've sort of weird. They've been good with certain positions. Like generally when they draft an offensive lineman, it's worked out. But with cornerbacks and receivers, you know, running back, they got burned with Lawrence Maroney. Sony Michelle has looked good. He's been injured a lot this year. Um, so, yeah, I think the drafting has to be better. And you're exactly right, Rodak. And I don't know, you know, if that's something that's easier said than done to fix. I mean, it's not like I don't think they're working hard or they're scouting hard. But like I said, the one criticism is, you know, better to, if you come out of a draft with two really good players, you've done well. Sometimes it feels like they're trying to accumulate picks more than talented players. We're in conversation with William Benditson of the Maven Football Network. He covers the Patriots. And, uh, William, uh, are you making dinner there? Did I hear some microwave activity going on in the background? No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, I thought I heard a you know, Just going inside and outside, you know. Oh, I see. I don't want to distract the other writers. They love hearing me, but, you know. So, and then it gets cold, so I come back inside. <laughs> well, tell them all we say hello. You know, yeah. I'm familiar with that press room as my in my former role as AFC East reporter for ESPN.com. It's a new press and, room, though, yeah. from there. Mike Rodak, yeah. of course, uh, he's been, that's his old haunt. Yeah. Um, they all love Rodak, and congratulations, Rodak's getting married. Got married, yeah. Got Past married. Times. Oh, you got the married? Deed is done. Still married. Got married. Yeah. yeah, congratulations well, that, that he's still married. Jesus, I'm very happy about this for Rodak. Thank you. Uh, you know, he deserves it. Uh, life event. But does his wife deserve it? Front that I didn't get an invitation. Oh, his wife deserves it. Listen, Rodek's a solid stock. You know what you're going to get. So that's the um, that's the disappointment. <laughs> you, you absolutely know you might what you're not have get. the great upside, but you know you might not have the downside either. Yeah, high know? floor, low ceiling. Yeah, I don't know if but I. It's have, like if uh, they ha- if they if, if if they have kids someday. It's like, you know, and, and she tells Rodak, you got to pick up, the, you know, little Johnny at soccer practice. Mike Rodak will be there, you know. He might not have great insight on soccer, but he will be there, you know, where he's supposed to be. So what more could a, a white bass for? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, hey, did you find a yeah. name for your podcast? I, I saw you were tweeting about that. Yeah, no, I did. Maven Minute is what I'm going to uh, go with, even though it's not a minute. But it's gone well. We had... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Nora on today. What have you thought about getting away from the Maven branding, uh, William? Um, I, I've thought about that. Yeah, it's a good point. I thought you liked Maven. No, not anymore, Tim. You're no, it's not that. It? I just, I just sent. No, no, it has nothing to do with that. I just sense <laughs> Benditson Enterprises Ooh. taking off at some point. Now, I don't think. <laughs> I think that the Benditson Media brand is on the verge of something. Best podcast in the business. That's right. It's been good. Sure. I had I had I had Giardi on last week. I had uh, Doug Kai from Nesson, Mark Daniels from Providence Journal. I've enjoyed it. Forty minutes. It's funny. None of them want to talk about football. They don't want to talk about life stuff because obviously they get tired of talking about football. So it's been good. You Do you know? find that no to be a problem? Do your listeners like that though? I think there's a, a niche for that. It's a, there's a te- yeah. There's you know I think they like it. Everybody's interested in everybody else's personal stuff, even though they pretend they're not to. So, well, I think, and, I, and we get that here in Buffalo also, William, is that I think that people get so invested in their teams and therefore yeah. the coverage of their teams that they kind of pick up 
almost like the people who cover them like a, a soap opera or something. And they, the interactions yeah, they that we have, opera. the fact that some they know that some of us don't like some of the other ones and that some are friends and uh, we joke around. And, and uh, yeah, I think that That's there are people point, who get into Tim. that. It's, 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 it's people love drama. They love drama and they love hearing about people having disagreements or weird stuff in personal lives. And, you know, they love, they love, you know, they love to see other people struggle sometimes. It's why America's Funniest Home Videos did well. And, you know, it's uh, <laughs> no shock. America's Funniest <laughs> Home know. Concussions. It's yeah. Cool. And, like he, and, yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, so, listen, I think when you're on Twitter, as you guys know, when you're in this business, you, you learn to develop a thick skin. People are obviously going to say stuff about you that you don't like. With Rodek, it's generally all positive. But yeah. the rest of us, we have we have to take our heat and, you know. Everybody so. loves Rodak. I've always said that. I know. He is a darling of the Western New York fan base. So, uh, William, uh, what is a, uh, how about a prediction for this week? How, how well or if at all the uh, Patriots bounce back, uh, what do you see? Um, I think they bounce back. I just think Brady's success against the Bills, the team's uh, confident. I, I don't sense, you know, we talked to Stephon Gilmore today. Uh, they, they're not taking, you know, he was only only uh, Brady. I know the Bills didn't have any Pro Bowlers for the first time. I think it was 2012. See, I read Rodex reporting. There you go, and, you're right. Uh, Tom Brady and uh, Gilmore were the only Patriots Pro Bowlers. But, I mean, Gilmore sort of took a step back and said, look, yeah, it's nice to the Pro Bowl, but this is a division game. You know, and, and, and you guys know, Belichick has always talked up the Bills. Even when they've struggled, he praised praise their special team. So I don't get the sense they're taking the team lightly. I think, obviously, the Bills challenge at receiver, um, you know. And um, so I think that, you know, offensively, you know, defensively, I think they'll be able to limit them to, you know, 14 points. And I think the Patriots probably score, you know, 28. So I do think the Patriots win this game. Um, and as I said, they played well at home this year. So, uh, but I know the Bills will be motivated, obviously, and, Patriots haven't seen Josh Allen, and and they've had some trouble against mobile quarterbacks. So that's maybe one area where the Bills could exploit them. But I, I just think that the Patriots—they're uh, not in as bad a shape as, as some around here are saying. And Belichick on a conference call with the uh, the Buffalo media on Tuesday said that the the Bills have a lot of weapons. You look at tight end, wide receiver, running back. I think Bills <laughs> fans kind of rolled their eyes at that one. I think ten years ago there might have been a conference call where he was running through the Bills' offense. And I, you mentioned, was it Roscoe Parrish or Josh Reed or one of those guys, and he wasn't even on the team anymore? But he's like, oh, Bill's got <laughs> yeah. a lot of guys out there. He's the Stephen A. Yeah. Smith of football coaches. Yeah, yeah he'll have Hunter Henry. Zay, yeah, Stevie Johnson's Jones having is, a great year for the Bills. Yeah, he'll have you believing that Zay Jones is like Jerry Rice, you know? Yeah. And, uh, William so. Bedison, Patriots reporter for the Football Maven Network. You can read his work at footballmaven.io. Where does I.O. Last come Patriots, from? Yeah. I don't know. Footballmaven.io. You can follow me on Twitter at PatriotsMaven. So I post all the links to my articles there. A fine so. Twitter feed at that and uh, and I check per- his videos. I personally endorse it and love it. it well, yeah. the Patriots it's, fan that you are. But yeah. if, you, if you're a Bills fan and you want to keep up with what's going on around the AFC East, you need to follow William Bendison right. on Twitter. Yeah. It, yeah. I.O. is for uh, websites originated in the British Indian Ocean. No kidding. <laughs> At the that's bottom? where I might be headed. Oh, yeah, that's where my career might be headed. That's why I'm thinking you might want to rebrand this uh, podcast. <laughs> the Bendison uh, Enterprise. Yeah, Bend- yeah, LLC. 
William Bennett and everybody. Not such careers with promise like Rodak, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're great fun, William. Thanks for helping us out today with the Patriots. Yeah, great stuff, Patriots guys. Always inside. pleasure anytime. All right, when we Thank come you. back from this break, we're going to have Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas to talk about what's going on in the world of betting and uh, the Bills and uh, whether or not they can cover the spread against the New England Patriots when we come back on the Tim Graham Show. Sponsored by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555 or visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. The Tim Graham Show is on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. It's Tim Graham. The Tim Graham Show, now on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show, taking your calls at 270-1270 on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Thank you, as always, by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. What's the next big game for the other three basketball programs? Canisius versus well, UB. Kanish, well, uh, but I'm going for, you know, I'm not uh, counting Bonnie's, UB, well, so let's Syracuse. not go the other way. Niagara plays tonight, and they won three in a row. They don't play a great team. I'm gonna look it up. The uh, Syracuse's final non-conference game is St. Bonaventure, which would qualify. Um, they beat Syracuse last year, too. They did. The big game, though, the other big game, though, is the women's game on Friday at noon. Stanford, number oh, eight in the right. country. UB women. Stanford is number eight in the country? That's what I think I saw. Or they were number 11. I thought I saw them moved up to number eight. They might be one pulling at the other. They're definitely in the top, top 10, 10 team. Because our good friend John Warrow was bemoaning the fact that uh, he has to, he only has to cover women's basketball when there's a team in, uh, in the area that is ranked 10 or better. Right. And they were number 11, so he didn't know at the beginning of the week whether or not he was going to have to cover the game and found out that he had to cover the game. Yeah, they moved up to number 8 from 11. And that game's at noon because Stanford wants to get out of town. They want so, a GTFO. And yeah. uh, so that game's at 12, so it's a whiteout game, meaning uh, there's going to be and there's going to be a bunch of kids there. Right. But and if they you were, happen to be... Selling tickets in the stands at the men's game the other day. I think they'll get a decent crowd for this game. You might be on a winter break at your school. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, not my kids, but maybe there's, you know, offer the for Christmas. Maybe you've got a Friday with, come back. with uh, time to kill. There yeah. won't be many. There won't be too many UB students no, there. No, but like they're kids on break. coming back home, I mean. But they'll be replaced with elementary age kids, pupils, <laughs> that will be at the game. Do you think they'll sell beer at this game? I think so. They've been selling beer not for a while now. It's only been about three, four weeks, but they have a license, and I think they will, yeah. Man. I don't think they'll sell it to the elementary pupils. Well, you hope not. <laughs> but if it's available, that could uh, draw you to the game. Go check out uh, one of the top teams in the country going up against the leading scorer in the country, Sierra Dillard. Right. And Summer Hemphill's back playing for UB. They, they have a full roster now. Relatively speaking, I think they might have some injuries, but their best player, second best player back. You'll see some damn good basketball. But right now, we have to talk about the Bills and the fact that they started off as a 10 point underdog to the New England Patriots, and now it's at 13. And the guy who's going to tell us this is on the line with us right now. From Buffalo to Las Vegas. Joel Sanchez. 
pills make me wanna show. The best gambling advice from Vegas. It's Joel Stanishevsky. Joel Stanishevsky is a Buffalo State grad who's been working out in Las Vegas as an odds maker, handicapper, and industry analyst, and he joins us every week to give us the Vegas side of things uh, in the NFL. And uh, your Buffalo Bills could be on a four-game win streak, Joel, if not for a a special teams breakdown or two, a, a dropped pass by Charles Clay. And yet, here they are uh, getting ready to, uh, as far as the uh, betters are concerned, uh, go into Foxborough and get stomped. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at the, the statistics of however long you want to go back, 15, 18 years, uh, the Bills in New England is a shoe-in for the Patriots to win and usually cover Um so there's no reason why you would bet, uh, why you would think to bet otherwise. Um, the Patriots have not lost three consecutive games since 2002. I mean, th- this is a team that, if you go back to the start of last year, are, uh, they lost Week One at home last year, have not lost at home since, and are 12 and one against the spread in that time frame, winning by almost 15 points. So you don't have to look at the Bills versus Patriots anymore because you know that the Bills always lose to the Patriots. Um, I think as a Bills fan, you're not so much looking, expecting a win. You're expecting to see the Bills start to get closer um, and be a little bit more competitive with the Patriots. I know we have a great pass defense, um, but we're not we're not talking about you know Tom Brady throwing to everybody and, and completing it at like 75% completion rate like he normally has against the Bills. So this is a, a game where you can see if we can actually start to compete. Um, we knew that this year was kind of a throwaway year, so we, we're looking into next year where we have some good draft picks. We have a lot of cap space. We have a lot of young players under contract for the next couple of years. Um, the Patriots will be one year older for all those older older vets. So we're seeing if we can compete and keep a game close and at least be competitive. Um, and I think as a Bills fan watching that game, and even if we lose by 15 or 16 or 17, if we can put up some points and actually make a couple stops, I think as a whole we would consider that a success. All right, so they opened at 10.5-point underdogs. I said 10, but still 10.5. It's been bet up to 13 in some places. Uh, what what about that dynamic, Joel? Can it do, does it keep going, or at some point does it uh, does the number get too strange uh, for a, for a book? They don't maybe want to go to fourteen. Yeah, they definitely don't want to go to fourteen. Uh, Thirteen is a very possible number um, to land on, so you'll see most books won't go past thirteen. Uh, you don't want to get caught in a middle uh, like we've just talked about before with huge swings in games. You don't want to get caught people betting Patriots minus ten and a half then taking the bills plus 13 and a half or 14 and then the game landing in on 13 and and losing to both sides um i wouldn't imagine this game goes up much higher at all uh, barring any injuries or suspensions or any type of thing like that if it's just the way that these two teams are healthy and playing um i really don't see that line going up much higher um if if mccoy and 
Um, you know, his backup that I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now. Chris Ivory. Thank you, Chris Ivory. If it, they're both questionable as far as I know. Um, if they're both decidedly out and we're stuck with uh, Ford and only Ford and Pat DeMarco, maybe we get some more bets um, expecting that the Patriots will have a couple more possessions because we'll probably have a couple more three and outs. Um, I, I think as a whole, we just want to see, you know, Josh Allen progress a little further like he has been for the most part every game, uh, get those rushing yards, get that rushing touchdown. The Bills, I think, are something like 4-1 and one when Josh Allen runs for a touchdown. So, you know, we, we see him on his, you know, using his legs. We see him, you know, making plays. And if we can keep seeing that and, and you know, get some progress, I think as a Bills fan and as a betting fan, you're, you're happy that the Bills are going to at least try to be competitive in this division in the next couple of years again. What is satisfactory for you, not as a from a betting or a handicapping standpoint, but what's satisfactory for you as a Bills fan? What do you what's what would you accept Sunday in Foxborough? Um, I would take I would lose by a hundred if we could see Tom Brady get injured. And I know you're not <laughs> you're rooting to for say an injury. That. You're not supposed to say that, but yeah, that's what I want to see. I want to see Tom Brady maybe not get injured. I want to see him get. Uh, I don't think any less of you. Hey, it's uh, it's, uh, it's an emotional sport. I don't want anyone touching uh, the balls after that. I don't want anyone <laughs> rubbing them. <laughs> That's great. Uh, as long as we see some competitiveness, we don't see them just walking down the field all game long. You know, Gronk going for 180 yards, and you know them just taking us apart. We want to see our defense play like they did in the last couple of games, especially like they did against. Uh, Detroit when we were super close and you know only one point away we want to see that we want to see the Josh Allen completing some passes you know getting mobile throwing on the run that type of stuff and and uh, we want to see uh, Foster get another 100 yard game I think LaShawn McCoy does he get on I guess I'll ask my I want to bring in Mike Rodak on this uh, the as William Bendits it was saying in the last segment uh, the Patriots run defense has been pretty uh, doo-doo Bobby Rosati says um, what was that sound? That is, uh, this. Oh, I see. You know, funny. Uh, right, it is funny. I just, I was talking over it. I wanted to make sure I didn't, I didn't know if that was like a I, toilet plop or something. If your question is, do I think Do you that, think LaShawn McCoy uh, gets any, uh, has an impact in Sunday's game? He had a much better day as a receiver against the Patriots than a runner. I think it was 13 yards and 12 carries in, in the first go-round this year. Look, I think no matter whether he plays or not, and certainly trending towards him playing, it behooves the Bills to have Chris Ivory out there, or um, sorry, not Chris Ivory, Keith Ford out there for at least some snaps. I mean, that's, as Sean McDermott likes to say, there's something bigger going on here. And if you want to trot both of your 30-year-old running backs out there, both of which I think are here for a maximum of one more season just to try to win the game, Great, but I don't really think that's their motivation. It's I mean, Sean McDermott even said this week that this is a two or three game audition for some of the young players in the roster, and I think Keith Ford is high on that list as a potential, you know, number three running back, let's say next season. So I think one way or the other, he's going to get some snaps, which will obviously cut into Sean McCoy's production. Sounds like Patriots by twenty to me. <laughs> you know, I remember last week we were talking, and there were three games, I think, that we said were standing out with the point spread being wrong, which were Tennessee, Minnesota, and Chicago, all of which uh, won and covered. 
I saw two games that really stuck out to me this this week. Yeah, what do you got? Uh, the L.A. Rams is a two-touchdown favorite in Arizona, which is just incredible to me that they're that big of a favorite. And Opened up at 15-and-a-half. It's down to 14. So. Yeah, still too high. Still too high. And the Cleveland Browns got bet up from 7 to 8-and-a-half uh, hosting Cincinnati, which is just an insane number to think that the Cleveland Browns, is, who is a bigger laughing stock of the NFL than the Bills ever would be, uh, as an eight and a half point favorite against anybody, especially a, a division rival. That those two lines to me really stand out as really big lines that shouldn't be so big. And offshore at BetOnline.ag, I'm looking at this. Uh, you know, there's a little spreadsheet that you can go to and see all the different uh, uh, spreads, and and you can shop around a little bit. Cleveland is a nine and a half point favorite. Uh, on offshore, so yeah, that's wacky. Tennessee, ten points on Washington. I know the Redskins have no quarterback, but they're still a decent team compared to Tennessee, which I don't really think of a team that puts a ton of points up. Yeah, I agree with that Tennessee, as well. You yeah. got to score to win by ten. Exactly, got to yeah. score at least eleven. Joel Stanishevsky on the line from Vegas. Thanks for joining us again, Joel. We'll talk to you next Thanks, week. Guys. All right, take care. All right. Thanks to everybody for uh, helping out today on the Tim Graham Show. Especially Thurman. Thurman Thomas in for a full hour to talk about social issues and uh, bail bond reform and uh, social activism among players. Announced to the world he's no longer a Republican. Said that he may have uh, kneeled during the anthem if uh, certain circumstances. So. Yeah, some very uh, enlightening things uh, from Thurman Thomas. Jonah Bronstein, I want to thank him for being here again and uh, talking to us about UB. Mike Rodak, my big crooked co-host, and uh, Bobby Rosati diddling the knobs. The Tim Graham Show, I get you know we didn't talk about it as long as every we're we're, uh, we're on the air on December twenty sixth. Everybody okay with that? Yeah, we'll be here. Here we go. I'll be All here. All right. Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call two eight five nine five five five. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. The Tim Graham Show, right cheer, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Sports writer Tim Graham, the Tim Graham Show. Now, Buffalo's live and local sports talk on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show.